Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Hello and welcome to this week's Discographology, the show where we speak of both was and when. We are more of that. I'm Josh and with me is... Logan. I'm Matt. And I'm Blake. And today we are basically covering a lost Nirvana album in a way. Uh, We are covering what would have been a Nirvana album known as Verse Chorus Verse. This was a planned double-disc live album, with one disc being the MTV Unplugged recording and the other being a collection of live recordings of the band. But yeah. that project was abandoned. After Kurt's death, Chris and Dave decided they needed some time, um, obviously, before they started mixing and sequencing a double album. So instead, we got the MTV Unplugged album being released in late 1994, and then from the Muddy Banks of the Wishka, released in 1996. And sort of a remnant of what was that planned double album, you may notice that other than Polly, no songs repeat between Wishka and Unplugged for that reason. Anybody else notice that? I, I didn't notice that until I saw yes. that. Yeah, that, that was on purpose. Yes. Um, and I did see a quote from music critic Robert Criscow that said, Quote, I play unplugged to refresh my memory of a sojourner's spirituality. I play this one, Wishka, when I want to remember a band's guts, fury, and rock and roll music. Hmm. End quote. Chris Gow's kind of an old school guy. And before we get into it, I want to say, unlike previous album episodes where, you know, we go through track by track and discuss you know, how it was written, how it was recorded. We're not going to really do that with the unplugged stuff because we've discussed quite a bit of it already throughout. But we will talk about the covers, our thoughts just sort of generally on each song, and and the covers we'll kind of get into their background. Um, and then we'll talk about our overall thoughts on From the Muddy Banks of Wishka, and then we'll wrap up with a discussion of the last Nirvana song, You Know You're Right. We made it. We made it, guys. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, so a little background before we jump into MTV's Unplugged, we'll talk about first. Uh, this was recorded November 18th, 1993. And from the jump, MTV was not happy with uh, the choices Nirvana made for their Unplugged <laughs> recording. The lack of hit songs Nirvana planned to play, <laughs> because at this point, All Apologies was not a single yet. So really, the only single they play is Come As You Are. And yep. the guests that they wanted to accompany them, um, Nirvana wanted indie rock underground unknowns, the Meat Puppets, to accompany them, whereas MTV wanted... So you may know who they wanted. To yeah, guess. I do. Who was it? Eddie fucking Vedder. Eddie Vedder. Who I wonder if Eddie was like, <laughs> fuck no, they prank called me. <laughs> <laughs> they said 500 pizzas to my mansion. <laughs> uh, also, they weren't too enthusiastic about Kurt's stage decoration, which he said wanted a lot of candles and flowers. And when the stage director said, so you want it to look like a funeral? Kurt said, yeah, like a funeral. Uh, the, which the, which yeah. is ironic, but probably doesn't deserve a ton of attention because Kurt didn't actually say, hey, 
make it look like a funeral. It was he did just, agree. Well, according to legend, he agreed and said exactly like right, a funeral. Right. I kind of wonder if that was him being a smartass, though. He's like flowers and candles. Half and and guys like like a funeral, and he's like, yeah, sure, like a fucking funeral, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So the recording was produced by Scott Litt, who had remixed uh, the two singles from In Utero, and they were joined by their new guitarist, ex-Germs guitarist, Pat Smear, who apparently yeah. uh, brought a big revival in Kurt's attitude. He, uh, Pat was just always a happy-go-lucky kind of guy and apparently really cheered Kurt up when he was around. One major concern, last thing, one major concern going into the recording uh, was whether or not Dave could play softly because they were really <laughs> worried <laughs> that he God. was just going to hit the drums too hard. So and, dang loud. And tries so hard not Apparently, to be. Kurt even like had to tell him during rehearsals multiple times to like play softer. Well, and, they gave him brushes. Totally tell. Well, that's what I was saying. Apparently, they came up to him. They said, do you want brushes or hot sticks? And he chose hot sticks, which he had actually never used <laughs> yeah. before. You yeah. can um, tell, like... You could tell that he is very like trying so hard just to be like as light as possible. It's very intentional. Yes. You know, and every every hit is There were also he's concerns a, he's a pro. that turtleneck. That, that turtleneck. Yeah. He looks like a he looks like a beat poet. <laughs> keep your <sighs> keep your powder dry on the on the turtleneck cuz I got a thing. Okay. So, well, uh, I I have a history. Last thing I want to mention okay, was there okay. was also concern about how long it would last because apparently the Stone Temple Pilots unplugged recording from the year previous had lasted four hours oh, with multiple no. takes man, of each oh, song man. and the audience oh. was just like exhausted by the end. <laughs> so people were like, are Nirvana going to do the same thing and just play for four hours? But in the end, they actually, they did rehearsals and then they did just a straight run through of the recording and that's what you hear. I mean, they uh, one take do multiple takes. I mean, they rehearsed, yeah. but yeah, they didn't do multiple takes of each thing. So I guess what you start off with is uh, how everybody listened to the album this go around and our relationship with it in particular. Um, so well, what do you guys think? How did you listen to it? And uh, what what are your sort of thoughts on Unplugged before we get into the songs? Had you listened to it before growing up? That kind of thing. Uh, as with uh, most of these records, I, I was w very familiar with Unplugged, um, you know, in my high school years. Uh, listened to it on streaming, and, you know, it it, uh, it was good to, to kind of, you know, put the old shoes back on and, and you know, he hear all those uh, all those covers again. And, and that's, the covers are really what make it for me. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the songs a as we go, but, uh, you know, the cover choice, and um, you know how well they, they they pull them off uh, really works out uh, works out for me. This was a big one, you know, kind of freshman year high school or so. Listened to it a lot, uh, you know, just kind of made me feel uh, sad but good. Yeah, I was gonna say this was the one that I felt like I discovered because um, I felt like a lot of the others I had heard through my brother. Um, who, you know, is eight years older than I am. So I heard Nevermind when it came out. I heard In Utero when it came out. And then I think he listened to Bleach a little bit here or there. But this was the one that I, I don't remember him listening to much of. And I distinctly recall finding, like, having a copy of my own when I was younger and really being like, hey, these are songs I don't really know. And I really like most of this. Um so this one holds this kind of a special place for me because I feel like it's the one I'm I'm closest to in terms of 
it being my own thing, like not associating it with with a, uh, my brother. But um, what about you guys? What about you, Blake? So I wasn't, I didn't grow up with this one as as much as the others. Um, in fact, I hadn't heard most of it except for the ones that they sometimes will play on the radio, like The Man Who Sold the World, and I think Lake of Fire sometimes yeah. would get some Lake of Fire radio play. Uh, maybe, maybe come as you are sometimes on the radio. I can't recall. So a a few of them, I had heard the, these takes, um, most of it was, was, was new to me. So I don't, I don't have a big sentimental attachment to it or, or a long history with it, but how'd you listen to it this time? Oh, um, I didn't listen any special fancy way. Um, I mentioned in the pregame that I, I don't have it on vinyl or anything. I listened in the car. I listen on iTunes through studio monitors. Um, so nothing too fancy, but, uh, you know, it played just fine. So uh, I listened uh, just like with earbuds on YouTube and then through studio mon- monitors through my computer and everything. So uh, I definitely have no connection uh, with this album other than hearing everyone yak about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> other than hearing like Blake mentioned the man who sold the world and lake of fire being played on the radio i didn't really have much uh experience at all with this in fact this is the first time that i've actually s- sat down to listen to it oh i was wow. actually going to ask that i didn't know if you had listened to it all the way through before nope i never owned this i never bought it uh never sought it out so this was the the first time i've listened to it all the way through yeah, the same for me. First full listen, yeah, wow. for sure. That's just amazing because I, Matt, I think Matt and I are in the same place. Of this is one we wore out. <laughs> this oh, yeah. is this is a very different record from from. If you're like a fan of Nevermind and in, in Utero, this is night and day. Like, yeah, just because you like those doesn't mean you're. I do kind of wonder if what like its this. reputation would be without Kurt, you know, dying so soon oh, after yeah. the recording. That's um, that really weighs, yep. you know heavy over it so i don't know if its i kind reputation would be different because of that i think it would be just ju- just another mtv unplugged show it would be a good one but yeah. it wouldn't be this i mean i i've heard a, a writer i uh i forget who you know call it a became a living funeral but they didn't yeah. know that's what it was that the, listening to it it does it doesn't sound uh, that dour. It's it's a lighthearted tone, really. It doesn't seem like a living funeral, but that's what that's kind of a legend of it that it right. became. It seems like. well, and that's in particular, I think, due to a couple songs that we can discuss when we get to them. So let's go ahead and start mm-hmm. off. And I just want to mention: so they they kick off the set with the Lone Bleach song about a girl, and then they next play "Come as You Are" off of Nevermind. Um, and I, I think those both work well for the the setting I, i'm still not a huge fan of come as you are as a song um either the nevermind version or this version i do think about a girl translates very well to this setting especially from the bleach version um and yeah. I, I really dig you know how they adapted it to this including the solo i was um, i was about to say the solo mm-hmm. comes over really well yeah uh, whenever I watched that solo on YouTube, uh, I had the closed captioning on, and it actually said in the closed captioning, lazy guitar solo. <laughs> oh, my God. This I is one of his less lazy ones, though. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a great guitar solo, though. Lazy guitar solo. 
he can well. do so much lazier than this. <laughs> I was just I, you know, like floored that it actually said that. If I know it's there for for hard of hearing people <laughs> or hard of hearing people being like, ah, lazy guitar solo. I know exactly what that would be. <laughs> well, they're gonna get the wrong idea. Um, uh, what? How do you guys I feel think about this? A good uh, this one-two punch about a girl come as you are is the the opening two. Well, they struck out with me because they started with about a girl. Which oh yeah, I you don't, didn't like about right. a girl very much. Did which you? I'm very you know lukewarm. Not even lukewarm <laughs> do you, on. Do you like it better here or on Bleach? Because I think I, I might I, even I, like this version better. I, th- I, I think I it probably translates better to this setting. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, but it didn't really change a whole lot for me. I was just kind of like, Ugh, God, they're starting with that song. I'm but, trying uh, to think if there would be another Bleach song that would have worked for this set. <laughs> you know, paper it's cuts. like, we're going to do Paper Cuts, Negative Creep, uh, Acoustic. Here is Acoustic School. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then how do you feel about the Come As You Are version? Uh, it's also, like, I, I, I like Come As You Are. It's almost worn its welcome out with me uh, at this point, but I do still appreciate it. I don't really think it translated that great to this. Like, I mean, he used an he used a chorus pedal, right? Is that what he was using? He did run his acoustic and through he did, an amp, even though they yeah. were like you can't do that. It's unplugged, but and they, they hid his amp. Did you hear, did, did you read about yes, that? Yes, yes, they hid it in the floor monitor, so, right? They they made it look like a a monitor wedge. They like put a box over it. It kind of took me out of the unplugged experience a little mm. bit, and I don't think it translated well to the setting. Um, you know, I think he tried to make it work with the effect pedal, and it and it it does. You're like, well, this definitely sounds like come as you are, but for me, it just didn't really sparkle that much. Well, speaking of that, uh, well, we're, we're not quite there, actually. Never mind. I was going to say, speaking of that effects pedal, it comes in big time on one of the next ones. But the next one is actually uh, the very first cover. We have Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam. Can I just say, I think About a Girl is a good way to open the show. Just my opinion, Sarlo. But I, I don't fine. think I like it better than the Bleach version, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that there is no tambourine. If there was ever a time to use a tambourine, this this Give show Pat is it. Smear yep. Give Pat, Pat Smear a tambourine. Give Pat Smear a tambourine. Or one of the six other musicians you brought. <laughs> Kate, like, Kate Moss was there. Give Kate Moss a tambourine. <laughs> Who's she, uh, the cello player on this? Lori uh, Goldston, I think. Uh, she, I have her name. She did a right. great job. She should be mentioned. She's that's she true. is good. She should be mentioned. No, I I wrote her name down. Yeah, uh, so sure. the next song, uh, the first cover, "Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam." It's a Vaseline's cover. The third Vaseline's cover, Nirvana. <laughs> How do you get done? away with covering like a same band as many times? Like I don't. They loved them. I don't know. Um, yeah, you just love the Vaseline's. And of, of course, uh, famously on this recording, Chris is playing the accordion, which was actually the first instrument he ever learned how to play. And Dave is playing the bass. 
And this song had actually been in Nirvana sets for quite a while. I did find it interesting that the Vaseline's version is actually not titled this. It's titled Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam, although they do sing Jesus Don't Want Me for a Sunbeam, but the the actual title mm. of the Vaseline's version is, is different. And uh, of the songs we're going to cover today um, in depth, this has the lowest plays uh, on Spotify, although <laughs> Shocking, man. On, Shocking. A plane, <laughs> on a Plane actually has less plays than this does, the unplugged version. Yeah, on YouTube, oh, I was on. like one of the first people to comment on there because <laughs> no one had like commented on it. <laughs> yeah. So it had the least plays on Nevermind. It has the, yeah, I know. I find that so Everybody's surprising on, too because I like On a Plane, but. On a Plane rules. Well, who are all these, who are all these haters? I don't know. Uh, Show I, yourselves. Uh, but, but this particular song, Jesus Doesn't Want Me for Sunbeam, for me is one that I don't really like. Uh, I don't know. I just, there's Man. nothing in it that really sticks out to me as like, something I would want to listen to repeatedly. I think the accordion sounds pretty cool um, on the song. I think that works really well, uh, the way the accordion sounds with everything. But just lyrically, musically, this one, as I said in the In Utero episode a lot, this one kind of bores me as well. (laughs) I don't know. What do you guys think about Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam? I mean... It's like I we know we know you love the Vaseline's a lot. Um, this was I guess a rendition of a Sunday school song of some yeah, sort. Yeah, because there's a <laughs> Sunday school about Jesus wants me for a sunbeam or yeah, something. And so, they, yeah. But I mean the the accordion is cute, of course. But uh, other than that, that you know, I'm not like I'm not cranking the song up and like and jamming to it or anything. I'm kind of right there with with everybody. It's of the covers. It's probably the one that I, uh, you know, would go to the least. Uh, I had not watched the video of this, or if I had, I'd forgotten about it. That that uh, you, Dave is playing bass, but he's also sitting at the drums yeah. and kind of doing a hi hat thing, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's pulling uh, double duty uh, on it, but <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, the accordion's good. The cor- the accordion is is a little bit hot in the mix, Josh. I I think I I might feel about accordion the way that you feel about saxophone, in that <laughs> nine Use times it out sparingly. of ten. <laughs> um, but I I do think it, it works uh, it, it works pretty well uh, here. But um, you know it's it's a neat song, but uh, but it's not you know when I think of the covers on this album, uh, you know I I had forgotten about this one honestly until i uh put, put it back on to, to listen for for the show watching chris you know watching chris's lanky ass playing the accordion is <laughs> he is a goofy inter- looking dude inter- entertaining uh but this is uh <laughs> this track did not land for me this is uh not a track for me it, it also feels to me that like kind of there's something about it that feels very childishly prov- or like almost like a teenager's idea of being provocative. <laughs> like, like I'm going to sing a song called Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. What do you think about that? You know, like it, it just seems Mom. like I mean, they're Billy tr- Corgan pulled the same kind of st- stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. early in his career. He played songs kind of like that kind of jabbing, like, yeah, same kind of feel. So yeah, I get that. And it's just like, I don't, I don't care, man. <laughs> It's That's like, a lot of what Nirvana is in general, but that they, they usually do a bit better at it. Yeah. But I mean, this isn't this isn't even theirs, so yeah. it's just you know, it's an homage. There's not 
as strong of a melody to, to really hang anything on. I mean, there, other than the, the accordion riff, which for me gets a little bit repetitive, uh, the, the vocal yeah. melody is, is just kind of, kind of ho-hum in there and, and not, not very compelling. Yeah. <laughs> lazy, um, lazy, like the guitar solo on about a girl. <laughs> Guys, if you if you want to move on to the next song, we can. But I guarantee you, I will screw this one up. <laughs> so the next song is another cover, a David Bowie cover, "The Man Who Sold the World." Kurt said that this Bowie album, which the the song is off of the album of the same name, was his 45th favorite album of all time. And uh, the the song itself, Bowie never gave a direct explanation for the lyrics or content. At one point, he said it was a sequel to Space Oddity. But as far as what it is about, Mm. it's kind of open to interpretation. And this is the one that you can really hear Kurt playing that acoustic guitar through an effects pedal on um, to the point that it doesn't feed back at one point even. I don't know if that was guitar or, or mic feedback, but yeah, there, there was a lot of feedback, and <laughs> and I guess hearing that, that there was an amp up there close, it, it very well could have been uh, guitar feedback, but um, but yeah, he was playing this, through some kind of distortion pedal. So, probably no surprise to you guys, this has the most plays on Spotify on the Unplugged album, and actually, this is the fourth... Really? This is the fourth most played Nirvana song overall on Spotify. Like, this is a was a pretty... Wow. pretty big hit for Nirvana, um, especially of all the covers they do, of all the songs on this album. Um, I have a couple quotes from David Bowie here about the cover. He said, quote, I was simply blown away when I found that Kurt Cobain liked my work, and I've always wanted to talk to him about his reasons for covering The Man Who Sold the World. He said it was a good, straightforward rendition and sounded somehow very honest. It would have been nice to have worked with him, but just talking with him would have been real cool. And he later said, until this cover, it hadn't occurred to me that I was part of America's musical landscape. I always felt my weight in Europe, but not in the U.S., which I think is interesting because, you know, we think now of David Bowie as being this sort of like all-time legend, but... Was he really yep. considered very cool at this point? Like, I feel like this is the sort of he was pretty uncool. He right, was pretty yeah. uncool at this he point. He had done the '80s stuff, and some of that hadn't done yeah. as well. And he's his getting career, ready to go. In, yeah, he's getting ready to go into like electronicaville and uh, you know do something and <sighs> with kind of get in with Trent Reznor a little bit. Right. Trying to do something <laughs> so, a little bit darker. I think it's a Be cool a little choice bit afraid of Americans. for a cover because it's like. <laughs> Now somebody covering a Bowie song, you're like, yeah, that's you know a good choice because Bowie's just a, you know, a legend. But at yeah. the time, I, it was probably not seen as maybe the the coolest yeah. thing to do. Uh, one other, this Bo- maybe opened that door for for everybody yeah. to to kind of pile on and be like, oh yeah, Bowie, the the god of all music. Um, I did have him him being passed away helps with that too. Though. I did have one other quote from uh, David Bowie that I think is funny. Apparently, when he would play this song live after the Nirvana version, kids would come up and say, it's cool you're doing a Nirvana song. And he would say, fuck you, you little tosser. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, will you say that in a, will you say that? I can't do a British accent. No. Um, 
yeah so, uh he knocked it out of the park with this song oh i think yeah. i think that uh this is by far on this album this is my favorite track from the album i think this is a really great cover um i've come to appreciate the song even more so uh but not necessarily from nirvana i think in some ways that kurt it's an interesting choice because in some ways kurt did kind of sell his world at least he kind of sold his world off or was getting ready to you know and decided yeah. that he was done with it and he's he's it's like he gave away everything that he you know he had at that point so that's kind I, of i impactful. i love this song as well i the bass run bass slash guitar run on that chorus pre-chorus it just sounds so good watching pat smear play that the little goofy smile yeah yeah and i you know of course they were very concerned as blake referenced very concerned they would screw this one up and apparently chris spent the night before you know in his hotel room really working on this and the meat puppet stuff trying to get it and i just feel like they nail it like it sounds tight um, yeah. you know, you wouldn't assume that, that this wasn't one they had played in their sets a bunch of times. It doesn't sound polished to me, but it does sound uh, noticeably tighter than most of the set. And that's what makes it one of the stronger cuts from, from this whole show. Talking about that distortion pedal. I, I was really, uh, appreciating th- this listen through how well the distortion, uh, on the acoustic guitar blends with the cello, on oh, yeah. you know kind of yeah. on that that main verse line it just you know it, it they just kind of you know nestle up next to each other and uh and kind of blend in a in a really really good yeah. good and effective way that blending almost sort of mimics the 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 Bowie uh mini background orchestra uh that you hear on so many of his his songs um it, it it's a nice little rendition of that but yeah i, I I didn't. Uh, I, I thought he was playing electric guitar until I read about the whole acoustic run through pedals and an amp thing. That didn't me. that guitar actually sell this year for like the most any guitar has ever sold? Yes. Uh, yes, I was going to talk about that when we get to uh, where, where did you sleep last night? But uh, but yeah, it, it it was an acoustic guitar, but it actually had you know elect, electric pickups, so it was kind of a kind of a hybrid uh guitar um but yeah i um didn't uh, francis bean like give it to like some boyfriend or something at the time and then they 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 split and he kept the guitar and then like tried to auction it off isn't that i had not heard that story yeah i I she gave the guitar to him and he wouldn't give it back to her after they split up that's lawsuit time right I there. I kind of feel like that's something Kurt would have done. Like, I could see Kurt giving something to a, a girlfriend and them not giving it back and auctioning it later. That that seems like a uh, like father, like daughter kind of thing in my head. <laughs> I don't know. Um, any other thoughts before we move into the next few songs here? The uh, Listening back to the original Man Who Sold the World, it does have that little uh, percussion wooden, wooden fish that you slide a stick <laughs> yeah. against. Oh, great, yes. Great grade school. Music. I did, uh, yeah. I did. I did kind of miss that little fish. Hey, but other than that, yeah, true story. I remember playing that fish, and you know, where I remember playing that fish <laughs> is in my elementary music class, where I was given one by Matt's mom. Matt's mom was my, oh my music God. teacher when I was a child. Before I, I ever met Matt, that's true. Yeah. So she definitely at some point gave me one of those little fishes, and I was. Had probably, you told me that story? I don't remember you telling me that story. Well, I mean, I knew. I, 
it, it we don't have to get into it anyway um so next up is uh i'm just going to kind of group the next few songs together we've got penny royalty from in utero dumb from in utero and then polly from nevermind and kind of going song by song uh penny royalty of course kurt plays this version by himself rather than with the rest of the band, which is sort of a spur-of-the-moment thing, as you can hear. A bold choice, yeah. Um, and then Dumb and Polly, they they kind of come back and play. And all three of these songs sort of lend themselves to acoustic versions somewhat, uh, you know, especially if you think of Polly is acoustic on Nevermind for the most part. Dumb, Penny Royalty are fairly laid back. Uh, as far as versions go, I actually prefer this version of Penny Royalty over the one on In Utero. I think it sounds better here. It works better with the lyrics and everything than it does on In Utero, at least for me. I really like this version. Dumb, to me, is my feelings on Dumb are similar to my feelings on Dumb on In Utero, which were, I'm not a huge fan of this song. And this version, I don't think necessarily improves on that. And then Polly, not a huge fan of Polly either. So I don't know. Other than Penny Royalty, sort of a, a strikeout for me for the most part. But I do really like the Penny Royalty version on here. Um, what, what do you guys think about this? these few songs? I, I feel a little bit the opposite of what you just said. Okay. <laughs> um, Penny Royalty um, was kind of in danger of, of being a, a little boring on, on In Utero, even though it does have a good chorus hook. Um, and I, I, I feel like just, just Kurt alone on acoustic guitar, no accompaniment made it more boring for me on this, uh, recording. So it, it was just kind of, it's just kind of meh. Uh, and it sounds a little bit, a little bit slapdash. Like you can hear that they, I don't know if they were certain if he was going to do it alone. Yeah. Um, cause they discuss it before going into it. I mean, I do like the casual nature of the show, but they, it, Definitely, uh, it doesn't sound all that well rehearsed. Not wildly exciting. Um, although I do, I did note there was a slowdown part that he adds that's not in the the in utero version that uh, I, I think was probably a good idea. But other than that, uh, no, the, this this song don't do it for me. Right before the uh, "I'm on more milk and laxatives" line, the uh, the little kind of catch that he has. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's what he's talking he, about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think uh, of the three, you know, and Josh, you said P- Penny Royalty is the most affecting for me. I think, in terms of the emotional content, it's probably second only to Where Did You Sleep Last Night. In you know how compelling of a performance it is. You know, Dumb and, and Polly. Uh, you know, it's kind of you're kind of getting what you're what you already have. Uh, from the albums here uh but uh but penny royalty is kind of a you know the the, the stripped down version with with just kurt um you know re- really kind of kind of shines f- for me uh it's probably my favorite nirvana song that that they do on the record so keep in mind that this is my first time listening to this unplugged but i thought this one sounded pretty rough actually um i I laughed out loud at the end when, or Chris or whoever said that was good, and I'm like, oh wow, my barometer is way off. If, if they, <laughs> I didn't realize he said that was good. Yeah, well, I thought I just thought the the chorus like 
the way he was singing Penny Royalty. Like, I mi- that really I miss the harmonies. It grated on me a little bit. Like I like the song, but I just don't really like this performance. But I do think that that quiet, like you know, slow down the cherry flavored antacids part. I think that Blake, you're right that that's a good moment. I think that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. And I think he did stumble there on that chord, you know, when he hit that chord and he kind of went I, with it. I think see, he, flo- I he pulled it off, but uh, it was, I think he kind of botched it there. See, I feel like I have to jump in and defend it for a second. I, see, I maybe I like this one because I heard this one first. Like, I, I think I listened to this one more before I ever heard the in utero version. It just feels raw to me, though. I, I like all those little touches, the oh, rough yeah. touches. Yeah, it feels, it's... it feels like somebody. You know, it's such a personal song. He's talking about the issues, his stomach issues and stuff. And I don't know. You just, I feel like you get his pain through the performance. I like, like I, like I said, I do like that that slowed down part for sure. I think that's the part where I connect most with the song. So, but other than that, Charles Cross uh, said that this was his greatest moment on stage. And I don't know that I agree with that necessarily, yeah. but wow. I, I, I think, bold. I think they can both be right. I think it can be pretty rough, but I think also, uh, you know, it, you know, kind of the elements of, of that, that, that rawness is, is what makes it compelling for me, at least. Now, I think that dumb and Polly looked really good on unplugged i think that's i agree that they work for me because i think dumb was a good performance and i almost could like it more this version than the album version um but with polly the best thing i like about this even though by this time i've heard it a million times um i like that they that he even acknowledges that it's similar to dumb because i think on the (laughs) on the in utero episode i was thinking like dumb just seems like the next version of Polly. So I, I like, for me, that's validating that he at least mentions that. So I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I think these two songs were, were kind of, were, were made for this type of show. And I, yeah. I, I thought they, they sounded good and well rehearsed and, uh, D- dumb might, might be better here than it is on, on in utero. Um, yeah, I, I always liked it, but it's definitely not the best in utero song, but it, it might've been, it might be even better here. Uh, so the next couple are both from Nevermind, On a Plane and Something in the Way. I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about these. I, I like both of them. Obviously, Something in a Way really lends itself to an acoustic version on Unplugged because yeah. on the, I mean, the album version is acoustic with cello. So yeah. <laughs> you've got the same thing here. If you have a cello here. there, <laughs> Good choice. Well. Good choice. <laughs> and I like the song. I mean, I like the version on Nevermind. I like the version here. They don't sound to me incredibly different. I think I probably prefer the Nevermind version just because it feels so much uh, it, just the story of how it was recorded, you know, as we discussed in the episode where Kurt was sort of softly singing and they mic'd it as mo- closely as they could. Uh, I do like the version of On a Plane here. I feel like that's one where they successfully took a song that on Nevermind is good and kind of louder and rocks. And then on this, they successfully made it an acoustic version that works. Like, I think it translates well. Um, but I don't know. I don't have a ton to say on these two. Before we move on, do you guys have some something to say about On a Plane and Something in the Way? On a Plane's a good performance of a de- decent song, um, but it's just nothing special for me. 
the public agrees with you, Logan, <laughs> as the Spotify <laughs> I, numbers attest. Cu- couple of things I noticed. Um, just the very end note that D that they land on 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 a plane. Uh, for whatever reason, just sounds really good to me. You know, it, uh, you know, it's kind of a good resolution to the song that you know that had been on a fade out, and you know, it's kind of a, a stuck landing. Um, I kind of like the the little stick taps on something in the way. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. I was watching that video, and Dave Dave was just kind of beating that hot stick against his knee just to kind of keep time, and you know, it's it's a different vibe a little bit than what you got on, on the record. Cause it's not as, you know, kind of intimate and, and, um, and, and low, low key, but it, it kind of reminds me of, 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 you know, cricket noise almost, or it kind of gives it an, an atmospheric element that, that I thought yeah, worked pretty I, well. Well, I think the lyrics really work with that vivid yeah. imagery that he's putting off. Like I buy, like I felt like this was more intimate than maybe, well, I don't know if I could, could say that it's more intimate than the album but i think with the people there like and you're there listening to him watching him say you know sing these things like i think it really i think they nailed it with uh something in the way obviously good choice yeah i i said yeah yeah it figures that they would do this uh at this show um it's kind of kind of tailor made for that but I, I didn't have a lot of strong feelings about something in the way on a plane um loved it on never mind i i liked it all right here one thing I noticed though was that uh, I missed those mm, harmonies yes. from the chorus. They took them out. Th- this is the perfect opportunity yeah. to do some pretty vocal harmonization. Get Pat back out Come here. Come on, Dave. Come on, Pat. Pat. You got Pat. Bring now. the bring bring the meat puppets out. <laughs> uh, well, uh, somebody could could be doing those. Um, and I, I kind of admit, it's one of my favorite parts from the original on a plane but are we ready to bring the the meat puppets out are we ready to do that favorite bits of banter from uh the the whole show one of my favorite bits of banter is when they're the meat puppets are getting ready i guess uh and it's taken a while and kurt kurt says what are they tuning a harp (laughs) i i I like that banter very much this is a great banter record just generally yeah um, yeah, mm-hmm. I was watching uh, kind of like a rehearsal feed or, or an unedited uh, video, and and they were tuning for like five minutes. It was it was a <laughs> a long time to tune, you know, a lot longer than than it kind of sounds like on, on the record. They must have done some some editing on it, but um, but yeah, yeah <laughs> I I'm glad you pointed that out because because that, that's a great uh, great bit of like, banter. We're, 
we're supposed to be like this big rich rock band why don't we have like a guitar text and a bunch <laughs> of different like guitars ready to go it's like yeah that, that is a good point yeah so the next three songs are all meat puppets cover introduced as the brothers meet as matt pointed out chris and kurt kirkwood of the meat puppets actually joined them on stage to play the the songs all three are also from the same meat puppets album meat puppets 2 which i think came out in 1984 is that right matt i i believe so 84 I'll, i'll confirm but and uh, you've got Plateau, Oh Me, and Lake of Fire. And I believe Oh Me was the one cut for the, when they showed it on TV. They, I think they showed Plateau and Lake of Fire, I want to say, but Oh Me they cut, although it is on the, the album. That's and as shame, far yeah. as the, uh, the songs go, uh, you know, I don't have a ton of information. Uh, Plateau, Kurt Kirkwood says, is about coming of age. Oh Me, I couldn't find really much at all about, you know, like what he says it's about. Um, I did see one interesting bit of trivia, which is that on Lake of Fire, Kurt purposely didn't change the keys. He wanted it to be uh, in the original key, and and as such, it's slightly out of his range. He has to sing like kind of higher than he normally does. Um, you can hear that, and he apparently <laughs> changed. He wanted it that way, like he wanted to have to to strain to reach those notes. Um, well, and but, oh. a masochist. And yeah, I, I just want to say the last thing was that, so Pat and Chris do not perform on these songs. Is that, that's right, right? I didn't, I probably should have verified that first because Chris and, I, and Kurt, Kurt would come out and play on those songs. I, so, I think, uh, I think Chris is playing guitar. Kurt Cobain is oh, not right, playing yeah. guitar on, on these. That's right. He's, he's just yes. singing these. And Dave, or uh, uh, Pat is not on these songs at all. Pat is out um so what do you guys think about the meat puppets covers on here i love these songs uh these are some of my favorite songs on on the record uh i guess i had forgotten or or hadn't heard that that they didn't air oh me uh which i think is a shame because that's probably my favorite of the three um you know plateaus is great you know it's got such a weird uh such a weird guitar part um just that dun, 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 dun. uh these three and that whole meat puppets 2 record in general that i was listening to today, uh to today it's it's kind of honorary child friendly unit shifter status <laughs> um you know it's got that same kind of almost a kid song quality um lake of fire uh i i can see him not wanting to change the key for his range because that original song is also you know kind of really strained and 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 nasally um it's almost a little bit slower uh you know it's it's a full band version that uh you know has distortion and um you know it's almost more of like a a dirge than uh, i think they improve the song a little bit by picking up the bpms uh and the Nirvana version. Oh, I agree. It sounds like a stoner metal. <laughs> I think that I'd never heard the original Lake of Fire, but when I listened, that that's kind of the vibe I got. I also got the vibe that speaking of strained vocals, um, it just kind of sounds like uh, drunk karaoke a little bit. <laughs> that's the vibe <laughs> I got. As someone who does who has no familiarity with with this this record. Was my and that's, first impression that that's the the original or the original version the original, sounds like drunk yeah. yes no I, yes, I totally yes. hear that i one more thing on on oh me uh i really really like the outro kind of that 
um, where it kind of opens up and, um, I just think that translated really well. They, they, they kick in a distortion pedal on the original song and, you know, they didn't do that here, but I, I think they, they got that same kind of flower opening or, or, you know, looking over a Vista feel of, of how that, that song opens up in the, uh, at the outro. And, and I think it came across really well. So for plateau, I wrote not a fan of this. <laughs> And that's all that I wrote on that one. <laughs> that's all she wrote. Uh, oh, me. Man, you guys aren't going to like me. Oh, geez. It's okay, Logan. Uh, oh, Logan. Probably I, I, I still said, haven't shared uh, my opinion yet. I said, oh, my. Not a fan, but I do appreciate <laughs> that there are almost slight psychedelic country vibes kind of oh, yeah. coming off yeah. there. Cow punk. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. But I, I appreciate that mixture, but overall, it, it was just really boring for me. And then I'm sorry, uh, I, everyone's gonna hate me. Uh, Lake of Fire is the worst of, of the bunch for me. No, oh, man, that's holy shit! Hot the hottest take. take. I've heard this song played on the radio way too much, <laughs> and I I never knew if it was like Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, oh, shit, or like Nirvana or the Meat heart. Puppets. I'm sorry, it's Kurt's voice that really sends me over the edge. Actually, it's too. Dude, it sounds like it's being played in the cutscenes of like Ghost Encounters or some bad travel <laughs> re- travel channel reenactment of some bad Western like cliche. See, I, I'm it, I'm trying to. It's just like I. It really grinds my gears. It's I, I appreciate that he has that vocal power at the end. Like, and I know that like that takes power and what that takes. But holy God, this song sucks. I hate it. See, I'm, I agree, now, Logan. You've got you've got me thinking, Logan, about how much of my love of this record and 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 these songs in particular is just my background with them. Because again, like I remember yeah. distinctly listening to it when I was younger and and loving Lake of Fire and loving Plateau. And you know, I still feel that way. But but you know, you're coming at it from the perspective of you didn't grow up with it. So I yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering how much of it is just differences in personal taste, which is probably part of it. But I think also part of it is that that and, I had that acquaintance with it. Yeah, growing up. and I don't mean any disrespect towards Meat Puppets. All I've never listened to the Meat Puppets. I don't. Well, know and anything to that about to them. that end, and I I don't know anything about anything. So well, and so <laughs> kind of proving the idea that I think acquaintance has a lot to do with it. When I have tried to listen to the Meat Puppets, I didn't like it. <laughs> like at all and so it's, it's hard to like it's Josh, funny it's, hard to it's get funny into. that you because like now i'm like well do i only like these songs anyway my feelings it, though is i actually matt it's funny you say oh me is your favorite oh me is my least favorite of of these three i actually prefer I, plateau and lake of fire i over think i agree oh with me. that too um but yeah I, I don't know i've always i just like them there's something about the the weirdness of the nothing on top but a bucket and a mop and a illustrated book about birds <laughs> like it's just so like it. bizarre yeah. that's kind of tweet and the way he sings it is so bizarre and i don't know i i just i've book always loved birds. yeah it's just it's so weird um it, it's really interesting logan <laughs> that sick. you would call out did you call it psychedelic country because yeah. that's yeah. like not having listened to Meat Puppets and just picking that up from these songs, you, you would you would be hard pressed to be more accurate in a description of what Meat Puppets Two actually sounds like. 
Um, you know, yeah. cause it, it's, it's very, yeah, psychedelic country. And, um, you know, I, I would encourage you to, to check it out if, if you, yeah, haven't. you know, but I, I was thinking it's about interesting that. I might that, check them out. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it came out in 1984 always blows my mind because oh, you're, wow. like, you're like, Oh my, sh- Oh my God. That like came out the same year. Thriller came out. Just, is that same the year I was born? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next up, we kind of have a, a one-off in Before, a way. Oh, hang on, go hang ahead. On. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I need I need to do a very important uh, banter banter alert. Um, in between songs, Dave teases the uh, wait. Oh yeah, Dave teases the beat for Scentless Apprentice. He does. I did well, catch that. Well, apparently, apparently there was an MTV producer there who was just like shouting songs at them <laughs> to what do. What an asshole. Was it, were they well, shouting Sliver? Because that seemed like Chris, yep. that got Chris's attention. He's like, oh yeah, we should do that. And then he was like, Dave, should we do that? And Dave's just like, I don't, I, I, I don't know what you want to do. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> well, apparently Kurt the producer, like, no. I, I think that was a standard thing, Blake. I don't think he was trying to be an asshole. I think like oh, really? he was put there by MTV. But I think that uh, it's <laughs> not, and, and it wasn't Scott Litt, by the way. Scott Litt was back in a <laughs> recording booth somewhere. But um, yeah. apparently the producer, like at one point MTV was like, telling him to get him to do smells like teen spirit. And he's like, I'm not going to say that. Oh. So instead he was trying to kind of lure them out with a bunch of obscure songs. Like apparently he even suggested they do Marigold, the the one Dave Grohl <laughs> sings, just trying to like throw ideas mm-hmm. out. So I wonder if that was him like doing like go scentless apprentice. And, and they, kinda... it's funny that scentless apprentice is like, what? it's like, they might as well try to do milk it. Like of all the songs that don't in blue, man, <laughs> yeah. I actually think that milk it could work in an acoustic sense. Um, it it kind of reminds me of Josh. Did you send me something with a bluegrass band covering Kid A? Uh, well, you know, Punch, kinda, Punch Brothers, Chris Thiele's band has done okay, radio. Covers. Of course, they're phenomenal. So, unless you're going to talk shit on Punch Brothers right now, are you going to talk shit? On Punch I'm not talking shit. I'm saying it, it's a, a a weird cover like that could be an interesting thing to do, but probably not something to shout at the band while they're playing. Yeah, I, I don't know who yeah, at yeah. MTV thought that smells like. I don't Teen think Spirit. it was an unusual thing. Like I think it was like a, a producer there is like, hey, what songs do we want these bands to do? Um, I don't mean shouting yeah. like you know literally shouting. I think they were just like, hey, why don't like you guys Teen try Spirit. this one? Why don't you guys try this one? But yeah, MTV definitely was like, "Do smells like Teen Spirit." <laughs> it, that that song would not be good like no. this. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't work. Um. So, bef- actually, in the next song is one that MTV probably would have wanted them to do eventually, but at this yeah. time it wasn't a single yet and wasn't a, a big hit, which is "All Apologies." Um, I didn't have a, anything really to say about this one. All apologies bored me on in utero and all apologies still kind of bores me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Do you guys have anything to say about all apologies before we get to the last song on unplugged? I like it. It was a good performance. I mean, I, I think it's a good song. I thought it was a good performance. That's all. Yeah. I kind of agree. Uh, feel the same way. Th- this song is a sort of no brainer for <laughs> unplugged show. Um, but it's it's not all that different from the in utero version to me. Yeah, uh, it w- it would have been uh, f- more fun if they did like the demo version with like the the more upbeat and the tambourine. I just really want to hear a tambourine. <laughs> that would have been an interesting <laughs> interesting take. Yeah, I mean it's a good performance. Um, I, I think it kind of loses a little bit of the power because you don't get that that big dynamic swing. Yeah, but uh, but you know I I think 
it would be malpractice not not to put it on on an unplugged record cello's good uh vocal harmonies especially at the end are good i i've got a question for you for you guys um where did y'all sleep last night know where i fucking slept i spent last night in a ditch ouch josh josh had electrodes i had electrodes all over me i slept in a ditch so this is yeah this is actually an old traditional song about a sleep study right (laughs) (laughs) so the the, by the way the last song is is titled where did you sleep last night apparently kurt loader uh, the MTV VJ insisted in an interview with with uh, I think it was an interview with Kurt Cobain that it's called In the Pines and was like annoyed that <laughs> Kurt wouldn't. This call, is like it's called In the Pines. You know, it's like a pedant. I think that in 1870 that may have been the original title, but it's a, it's a pedant thing that I've seen on the internet. Uh, Kurt Loader seems like Kurt the Loder. kind of douche that would do that, though. And I feel okay saying that Kurt Loder, famous libertarian, and uh, oh kind of no, obnoxious. is he really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one is that you know, yet? you know That's the VJ, Ki- you know the VJ Kennedy from MTV. She, oh, she's awful. She's like she's a real well. You know why she's awful? Kurt Loder turned her on to conservatism oh, and libertarianism. Oh, no. Apparently, he was the one that did he, that. Anyway, he brainwashed her. Side note. Uh, so last song. Where did you sleep last night? It's a cover of a Lead Belly song that has a very very long history of being a traditional song called In the Pines sometimes, but Kurt was most likely basing his version on uh, Lead Belly's 1944 version. Also, as you guys may have found, Kurt was supposedly introduced to the song via Mark Lanigan, who was the lead singer of grunge band Screaming Trees, and Mark Lanigan had actually covered In the Pines calling it Where Did You Sleep Last Night on his 1990 solo album that Kurt played guitar and sang on. So Kurt's probably kind of basing his version on Mark Lanigan's interpretation from 1990 slash the 1944 Lead Belly recording, which apparently Lanigan owned on 78. 78. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that's what this version comes from. And uh, they did consider actually doing some more songs after this one, including Verse, Chorus, Verse, or Marigold, um, these sort of rarities. But basically, after they did this song, the producers were like, yeah, this is probably the end because that was a very strong performance. So let's go. I heard it differently, Josh. Oh, really? I heard they just said, cut it after that. I heard MTV wanted them to do an encore. Yeah, they Kurt said. Kurt said, I can't, I can't top that. That's I, probably I just end more accurate <laughs> than yeah. what I read. Um, and apparently I also read that this was going to be the B side to the fabled Penny Royalty single that never happened uh, from hmm. in utero. So I wonder if they put it on the, the one they eventually did press. I don't know. The later. record store day one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that would have been good. Uh, as far as feelings on the song, I'll kind of lead us off. 
I, I think this is a really good performance. Like, obviously, I see the merits. I see why people are like, you know, it's great. He really seems to get into it. The, the things I said about penny royalty sort of apply here that, you know, there's the roughness to it, the rawness to it um, that I think lends it a certain quality. But I've never been a big blues fan. And this song in particular, like, it's not one that when I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to listen to that a bunch more times. Like, if I'm listening to this album, I'll listen to it, but I never really seek it out. I don't know. See, I kind of got a uh, too much of an old bastard sea shanty vibe, which (laughs) I rarely, rarely get behind unless it's like Ween or something doing it, because that is just not my bag. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, they just should have closed with all apologies and called it good. Not a but fan. A good, good vocal power at the end. Again, it does. Uh, uh, he starts screaming at the end, and yeah, it's really strong. Yeah, it's great, and that's that's really cool. But other than that, I'm just I'm like, Ugh. I do feel like this is the this is the Nirvana performance that won baby boomers over. That baby boomers <laughs> who love like you know '60s rock, you blues mean, rock, were like, oh shit, Nirvana, he's singing an old blues song. I think you mean the Greatest Generation. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, go ahead. This is the longest, uh, the longest song of the show, I believe. So it, it makes sense that it would kind of wear out its welcome a bit. I, I do like how each instrument is is slowly added. It starts, you know, just uh, just Kurt, and then we get you know bass and cello and drums. I like that build up. Uh, it's it sounds good, but yeah, it, like traditional folk or blues songs tend to be, it is kind of the same thing over and over. I, I guess I'll. Uh... I will take the the conventional uh, take on this. I mean, I you, and you guys have, have have said it's a great performance. Obviously, it's a great performance. Uh, I like that he does the the Nirvana trick of taking that uh, that octave up vocal for the um, for the outro. Mm-hmm. Um, even before yeah. that, I kind of like the little. Um, I, I I can't ever pick out what he says, but when they're going into the cello solo, he kind of does a little you know shiver play for me now. something. Um, you know, little little vocal Play it again, uh, Joe. take. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody everybody talks about the uh, the the note on on shivered, uh, but I I think the the really you know kind of the hang your hat on it part is after that the the whole night through where he kind of just is is just barely holding it together, and then everyone else comes back in. Uh, th- that's where it really works for me. You know, so I, I I think this is uh this is great. It's it's the other, you know, kind of out of the park emotional, uh compelling performance uh, of the of the, the, the record and um big I, fan. I do have to say I feel like it gets all this attention as like this emotional moment, but it almost feels to me like he's trying to be emotional during it. Like he's, he's trying to do the, the lead belly, the Mark Lanigan thing. And that's why, again, I kind of think Penny Royalty to me is the superior emotional moment. Cause that one just feels more honest. Like he's singing a song about his own problems. And well, it truly comes from him. Yeah. And, and I just feel like this one, he's like trying to do what he thinks the song should sound like. I'd agree with that. Whereas Penny Royalty is just him. Like honestly being like, Stuff fucking sucks, <laughs> you know. Um, he's on more milk and laxatives. He's on more. What do you got? Uh, other thoughts? I, I, I guess we got Logan in there. Blake, did you say your thoughts on? Have, 
uh i listened to the uh i i guess the 1944 lead belly record did you have you heard that i have not i listened to the mark lanigan one that kurt is on as well. and it i mean it sounds similar other than it's not a solo acoustic version i don't well, like that version uh, nearly as much I, I i think that that has all of those issues that you guys mentioned with you know kind of bluesy boringness but i'm sorry go ahead like oh that's fine uh the the lead belly one is a uh, just a super gritty uh, old wax cylinder, uh, but it, <laughs> you you can tell that he is a, a very good singer. Uh, uh, Kurt called him his favorite performer, and he does these these parts between lines that are like uh, talking, like a uh, shiver for me now and stuff like. Uh, <laughs> it'd be great if Kurt. Like, it'd be awesome if to, Kurt did that. <laughs> to, to Kurt does. Kurt says shiver for me now. Oh, does he? That's what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's turning. He turns to Pat Smear. He's like, "Shiver for me now, Pat." <laughs> and Pat's like, "What do I do?" <laughs> but yeah, there's little there's little bits between the song lines that are like, uh, uh, "Tell me what he said" or something like that. Oh. And and Kurt Kurt does a little bit of it, but not as much as Lead Belly did. May, those might have been embellishments that he added, obviously not from the traditional. But you guys yeah. have seen Walk Hard, right? The, the Dewey Cox. Oh, yes. uh, I just keep thinking of the scene at the beginning when he, he's a little kid and he goes down to the, the store and, and the two old guys are playing blues and, and he just picks up the guitar and starts playing, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like singing yep. like an old blues man, even though he's like a little little <laughs> kid. Cut my brother in half. Cut my we brother were... in half. It's a, particular, it's a particularly bad case of being cut in half. <laughs> I'm cut... We were talking about the uh, about the guitars. I, I guess you know he talked about asking David Geffen personally to, to buy him Lead Belly's guitar. Um, in the, oh, the, yeah. the the Charles Cross book, apparently the the Lead Belly guitar was only for sale for fifty thousand dollars, not five hundred thousand dollars. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that that uh, uh, Kurt's guitar, where that he played um, at this, sold for. I've got the figure up here. Uh, Six million dollars, which is you know a, a crazy sum Damn, to, to pay for a collector's guitar. But uh, who bought that? Uh, Just some, probably you know, some, like, hopefully some rich some asshole. It wasn't me. I promise. <laughs> it was not me. It was Jeff Bezos. Um, it that is crazy, especially considering um there was a recent auction where Kurt's uh, custom lefty Fender Mustang went for just three hundred and forty thousand. Hmm. Uh, a, a, a measly sum, and that is only um, only six thousand more than Kurt's cardigan went for at the same auction. Um, the, and that brings me actually to a, a fashion watch. Uh, if you guys don't don't mind, a fashion watch has just just come in uh, over the uh, over the wire here. I got a I got a MTV unplugged fashion watch. So um, Kurt's mohair uh cardigan complete with a uh, cigarette burn hole and uh stains and discoloration just from you know being in a, a stain uh, <laughs> just like the song um cigarette i mean he talks about cigarette burns and everything like you couldn't this you couldn't get more kurt cobain than this cardigan that was auctioned off for three hundred and thirty four thousand dollars um and that was not the first time this cardigan has changed hands in an auction but it was the most it has ever auctioned for now blake uh, cr- correct me if i'm wrong yeah. but the the taylor swift song cardigan on her new album is it about 
Kurt Cobain's cardigan, mm-hmm. right? It's about how she bought this cardigan <laughs> at auction uh, just to burn it. Like <laughs> this is how this is how these celebrities live. It's 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 really uh, extravagant. <laughs> celebrities um, and apparently owners of microphone companies. Uh, Australia That's from this NBC the... News article, yeah. Australian Peter Friedman, owner of Rode Microphones, purchased the uh, the unplugged guitar. All right. Okay. Interesting. I've owned some Rode in my life. Be- beneath the cardigan, uh, Kurt wore a fright wig. Yes. Shirt. Um. A uh, a, a girl punk band. Um. From the eighties, I guess. The story of that is actually kind of cool. Apparently. He ran into the husband, maybe, of the lead singer of Frightwig, and he told them, like, hey, tell your wife that I wore her band shirt on him <laughs> unplugged. And the guy was like, oh, because apparently Frightwig hadn't been doing much of anything for a long time. Uh-huh. Like, she was yeah. married, they had kids, and I guess they were just saying how it was kind of a cool moment because he was still trying to support these little bands that nobody right. really had heard of. Yeah, uh, I don't know the current whereabouts of that fright wig shirt. Um, sadly, it will As remain Logan, a mystery. <laughs> it 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 is lost to history. As Logan mentioned earlier, Dave Grohl was getting his Steve Jobs on in a uh, a, a really a really smart black turtleneck. Uh, a, as a, as a drummer. I couldn't fathom wearing a turtleneck to drum. He, but he you know needed what? to weigh Go himself off. down to play to he, play quiet enough. You he, know what? He needed layers. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was such that's a, a good point. You know, soft. Just a, he had to. It's just a floating <laughs> smile. <laughs> yeah, if they if they would have all the candlelight, but if 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 it weren't for that, it would have just yeah looked like a floating girl head. And uh other fashion watch items, uh Chris and Pat just kind of look like very normal guys in uh, jeans and shirts. But Pat Smear, if I I might be wrong, but was he in socks? Is he? Socks. Oh, white he? That socks. That sounds like a that sounds like a Pat I feel thing to do. like he was in white socks, mm. which uh, I don't know. Pat you're wild, Pat, man. Come on. You're wild. He don't give a fuck, man. He was in the germs. I know. Uh, right. That, you ever that's heard the germs? They're unlistenable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not making that up. Well, it's it's what legit he, unlistenable. Like, what does he say to Pat in, in the in the show where he's like, yeah, he's certified punk royalty or something like that. I don't know what he said, but it was he, he makes a little, this is our Pat, you know, this is Pat, our new guitarist, and he's punk rock yeah. port royalty. Yeah, he's... Uh... Uh, a jack of all of all bands. We love Pat. All right, we, we, I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap up song. unplugged. All right, Blake. Okay, that's so that's enough. the end of my, shut up, enough. Blake. Uh, shut up, Blake. I was just gonna say that's the end of my fashion watch. That's the end. So, critically, unplugged is on some list. It's 313th on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums. No, NME put it at 246 out of 500. So. They actually give it higher rating, similar to In Utero. Also similar to In Utero, not in American author Tom Moon's A Thousand Recordings to Hear Before You Die, but it mm. is in Robert Dimery, the British critic's 1001 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. So um, kind of a split decision there, um, unlike Nevermind, which is in like all of them. Uh, it's, it's only on some. So I guess we can kind of go around and give our ratings. Um and uh, I guess I'll kick us off. I really like this album. I have a special connection to it, I feel like. 
and I'm going to give it five out of five illustrated books about birds, which <laughs> is an 100%. Wow. Oh, is that I what that is? Okay. I love it all. I love it all. Some I, I don't like as much as others, like I said, but when I put it on to listen to, I will listen to it all the way through. I will say that uh, you have stolen my uh, uh, oh, did I? metric. Uh, yes, but I will. I will agree with, the, really? with you that this is a a five illustrated books about birds record. I I was going to say also five hot sticks. That was my other possible <laughs> rating <laughs> system. Logan. Logan's uh, going to come in think, and drop the thinking. fucking hammer in just a second. Twenty five percent. Oh wow. Well, uh, so we are uh, we're given percentage. I I liked five out of the fourteen tracks, so that landed me at a uh, ouchy thirty five percent. Ooh, don't don't reveal it yet, but we will rank Nirvana albums at the end of this, so uh, we'll see where that okay. you know where you put it. But so we are well, we are including the live I albums. Would go in... ahead and include unplugged. I, well, I'm not. I don't. Well, we if you include Wish. unplugged, we have to include. Okay, uh, we'll include Muddy Banks. But but that gets. We'll get to that later. Blake, what is your uh, rating? Um, this is really off the top of my head because I didn't spend time thinking about what I would rate it. But uh, let's say three mohair sweaters. So a sixty. L- like, I'm not giving a, a percentage. It's a five star system. L- like a uh, lot. <laughs> Like incesticide, I simply don't have the background with this one, like uh, like you guys did. To uh, maybe I need more time. Uh, maybe I'm I'm looking at, at it through a different lens. Obviously, so yeah, it was it was just it was just all right to me. I, I liked a lot about it though. And, and I would be the first to tell you that that my rating is probably influenced certainly by my personal reaction and and yeah. you know. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Affinity for for the record, it, it was formative for you too. This was yes. not a record for me. <laughs> Just I wasn't actually, a record for me. I I would actually argue, and maybe I'm Matt. I'm thinking about other records and and soft top of my head, but I would say this might be a record that me and you are probably the closest to in terms of our feelings about it. Like I, I just I was thinking about other albums I would have to go album by album, but I feel like this is one where we both independently before we ever knew each other came into it yeah. feeling like this is one of our favorites and probably are the most in line on in terms of our feelings about it. Whereas whenever you would be like, Hey, you should check out this Bob Dylan album, I would have been like, No, it's garbage <laughs> at at the at the time. Yeah. You know. Where this was one where I would have been like, For sure, this is a great album. All right, that is it for Unplugged. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. We oh, got to oh, do oh, our, oh, oh, oh. Our, our bangers. and like, oh. Is there a banger on Unplugged? Yeah, and it's called Man <laughs> yeah. Who Sold the Fucking right. World. I agree. It's that unanimous. is the banger. Yeah, I, that is, that is uh, definitely you know the what, You know what you want to skip? Meat puppets. No, Just skip. Em. I would skip, skip uh, a trilogy. Skip I, didn't pla- I didn't plan one, but I would skip uh, Polly again. Maybe. Oh, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. Skip that shit. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would skip that as well. I, I or <laughs> I would skip. Uh, Come also as you are pick. to get to the banger of Man Who Sold the World. Uh, but uh, don't sleep on that penny royalty. I'm a yeah. dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, well, let's see. Banger, obviously, a man who sold the world, even though it's not their song. They, they did make it their own a little bit. Um, skip. What am I? I should have spent more time thinking about this. 
I would skip either Sunbeam or the Omi, maybe. For for a Don't Sleep On It track, Dumb is up there. Lake of Fire, I, I liked more than the other Meat Puppets. I feel like Lake um, of Fire is not slept on. It gets played quite a bit. <laughs> you're right. Never you, mind. You hear Lake of, you, you know, quite I, a, Lake of Fire quite a you're bit. You're right. <laughs> you're right about that. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the Man Who Sold the World. Again, why not? Sure. Uh, what would you guys cover? Thinking about this it. This is hard. This is hard. On, this is like already all covers. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would do all apologies. Okay. I was I mean, going to say. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I mean, I, I think I like on a plane. I'd say on a plane. I'll go with that one. Um, I'll just mix things up and say about a girl. I, I just as I'd want to take it down um, an octave or so to avoid sounding like puddle of mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, we didn't mention this, but like we've said in episodes past about Nirvana inadvertently launching a butt rock revolution of bands, I feel like <laughs> this this specific show, the Nirvana MTV Unplugged, launched a slew of bands that thought like. We should Ooh. do an unplugged set, or we should do an acoustic set, because you know, even Oof. though they typically play very loud, and it just doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody can dial it back and have it still sound good. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about bottle of mud still. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's put a pin, or not a pin. Let's put a the the end to unplugged, and then we're gonna take a quick break, right, Blake? And then we'll talk about yeah. And then we're gonna from the muddy about, banks of Wishka, and you know you're right. The last Nirvana song. That's right, and we'll wrap this whole Nirvana. We'll wrap thing it up. up. So All let's right. take a quick break, and then we'll come back with those. The song is dedicated to Frank Zappa and um, and River Phoenix, Fred Gwynn, who played Herman Munster, Dixie Lee Ray, Dixie Lee Ray Thomas P. Tip O'Neill. And you dumbass who just threw water on me. So next up, we're going to talk about the other disc of what would have been Verse, Chorus, Verse. And this was the collection of live songs, which came out as From the Muddy Banks of Wishka in October of 1996. And this is a compilation of live recordings spanning from 1989 to 1994, compiled mainly by Chris Novoselic. Um, the Wishka was a river that Kurt claimed to live by. This is the one in the song Something by In the Way that he claimed to live by, um, although that's probably not true. Under, underneath. And all of the songs on From the Muddy Banks of Wishka were recorded with Dave Grohl on drums except for two. And I find it interesting that the two that are not Dave Grohl were both songs that are on Nevermind, which is the album that's associated with Dave Grohl. So the versions of Polly and Breed on this album date back to Nirvana's opening slot on their diarrhea-filled tour of Europe in 1989 <laughs> with Tad and Mud Honey. Wow. And uh, also like Unplugged, several songs feature contender for the title of fourth Nirvana, Pat Smear, on guitar. I, I was thinking about that. Who's the fourth Nirvana? Is it Chad Channing? Is it Pat Smear? Is it uh, Dan Peters? I vote for Pat. Probably Pat. Um, although a Chad, claimed I mean, Chad kind of, he was there for a while. And a notable inclusion on this album is the song Spank Through, which would only previously shown up on a sub pop compilation. I can't explain just why 
Chris calls Spank Through the first Nirvana song as it was the one Kurt showed him um, in nineteen early in the mid-1980s. It dates back to 1985, and after he showed it to Chris, Chris Thanks. proposed starting a band with Kurt. So that's kind of the background on from the Muddy Banks of Wishka. Um, I guess we could go around and kind of talk about everybody's relationship with it. Um, I'll start off and say that I had never listened to it before. <laughs> this was my first time listening to this record um never was one i don't know on my radar at all so listen to it for the first time on streaming uh for this what do you guys uh much uh as my initial exposure to nirvana was uh via someone wearing a t-shirt uh the first i heard about this <laughs> record was a kid in my middle school had the the t-shirt um i had also uh not uh gotten around to listening to this uh until preparing for this record you know i also just listened on streaming you know i was doing some dishes um, wait you haven't listened to it at all before this is your first listen to this yeah this is my first listen to to this release yes uh j- just a few days ago and and i i mean we can get into it but i i've kind of felt like at least in my previous experience you know seeking out live nirvana tracks and and um you know kind of in uh you'd look for something on, on Kazaa or, or LimeWire and, you know, get a virus and, and get, you know, some weird, <laughs> badly recorded bootleg. I, I've never felt like Nirvana was a band that, uh, with the exception of Unplugged, really translated well live in recording. You know, I'm sure being at the shows, oh, yeah. you know, would have been like just, First of all, it would have been deafening. I'm I'm positive of that, uh, <laughs> but um, just it, it, I never felt like they they came across you know, li- you know in, in live recordings in a way that that made me feel the same way that that uh, listening to the records do. But uh, but I enjoyed listening to it, and and some of the some of the performances work a lot better for me than than others. And I'm you know, and I think I like Live Nirvana more now. Um, I know that uh, I think one of the shows the there's a show at, in Seattle on October 31st at the Paramount. Okay, Negative Creep is from that show, and I've listened to some other uh, tracks from that show, and 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 it works a lot better. <laughs> I liked the range of years, you know, hearing uh, stuff from 89 all the way up until uh, the milk. It it was from 1994 even. So, you know, it's a great, you know, kind of sampling of them, you know, playing live. I think it's a great collection. Yeah. Um, I agree with what, what Matt said. I think they'd be really, really fun to see live. Uh, Probably, uh, thrash your ass off and get your nose broken but it 
seems like a fun time, but it doesn't translate all that well to to a, a record. Um, but still, I had fun with this. Um, strangely enough, I also had not ever heard this any of it until until now. So wow. yeah, I have no no, no connection to this. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we're four for four or <laughs> well three for three so far. So my connection to this album is my friend Kevin. When I think we were in sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade, I don't know. His birthday came up, and I know I knew that he had wanted this album. He talked about from the Muddy Banks to the Wishka. So I made my mom drive me down to Walmart, and I <laughs> bought it and gave it to him, and we listened to it that night. And I think I listened to it on the bus. One time, one or two times. So uh, this is definitely one that um, I did not own, but I had listened to um, about the time that it had, uh, actually the time that it came out. And I was really excited, again, that aneurysm uh, was on there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I really, this album is (laughs) the exact opposite for me for Unplugged. Like, I I like this album quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, so we're not going to go through it, you know, every every song, just kind of talk about it generally. Um, one one thought that I had while listening to it is, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, I'm not a huge fan of the live compilation record. Like, I did enjoy this, by the way, I should say that. And I, I did enjoy most of it, and I think it was pretty good. But, like, I would rather hear one entire concert yeah. Like just from a from the perspective, I don't know. I just first that gives me more satisfaction than hearing. Yeah, with the like, in u- in utero lineup, I was kind of yeah. like hoping that oh, it would rather be oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. they play of, all those songs. If you guys haven't seen it, you should look up. There's a version of Drain You they do um, in France. I want to say it's that lineup. They're all wearing like suits. Have you guys <laughs> seen that on YouTube? It's like Pat. Every it's the four piece. They're all wearing like black ties and white shirts, and they do drain you, and it's just really, really good. But do yeah, they have I the big uh, anatomical mannequin I with them. I think so. It's from that tour. Well, um, they they took the the mannequin with them on tour, but I know that they I know that they had it out on live and loud, which I yes I'm looking over here. I don't know if any of those are are from that that MTV live and loud uh, performance. No, but I don't think so. Yeah, so I, I would have rather had one solid concert, um, which I know there are other Nirvana recordings that do that. Uh, you know, you can find that if you want to find it. Um, as far as th- this goes, though, I did I did enjoy it. Um, one other thought I noticed was in, on Heart Shaped Box, the solo uses that effect that they hated. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, or Chris hated it. I don't know that yeah, Kurt hated but it. but it's like, wait a second. You guys it's, use that effect and you talked all this trash insane. about it. I just thought that was I, interesting. I don't think there was a consensus with the band about whether it was good or bad. It may have just been like Kurt's. Kurt's pet tremolo that he insisted upon and no one could tell him otherwise for the live show. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a weird, weird sounding thing. So uh, I guess, do you guys just want to kind of go through and we can talk about what we think is the the banger? Or So like I said, overall, this album, 
it knocked it out of the park for me. So I liked pretty much 16 of the 17 tracks. Uh, I did think that wow. Spank Through was <laughs> a highlight. Uh, I approve of this type of track. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, so that was nice to hear that. And that led me down some other Spank Through holes. <laughs> uh, I never want to hear that again. So <laughs> I... I like 16 out of the 17 tracks. That that landed it at 94%. Um, so which one yeah. did you not like? Yeah, what was what was your not like? Uh, lithium. Oh, uh, of course, of course, of course. Are we including the intro in this? By the way, there is the first track is like a 52 second oh, introduction. I like it. I like the noise and the banter. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the however many songs are are there seventeen songs? There's seventeen if you include the introduction. Okay, well then I I liked fifteen out of sixteen songs. Okay. Well, shit, that messes up all this other math that I got. You got to redo the math now. <laughs> I got other oh, math that's going to be coming at you. That's all screwed up now, Josh. I'm sorry. Crunch the numbers. Um, uh, does anybody I, know? I will. Go ahead. I like the opening. Yeah, yeah. No, we're including the opening. Yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. opening is included. I like the opening. It, it it it's an introduction, so like a secret track, it gets a free pass. Whatever you <laughs> want to put in the intro, that's your choice. I, you do whatever I, you want. I agree with that. By the way, I think that kind of banter is what makes a live. Like, if you don't like the banter, it's like just go listen to the record. sixteen out of seventeen <laughs> tracks. I'm sticking to it. Cool, Matt. What were you gonna say? Uh, well, I was just going to ask if anyone knew what was up with the chorus pedal. The, the chorus is dialed way, way up, especially on on Drain You and uh, to a lesser extent yeah. on, on Aneurysm. Um, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it works until it doesn't. <laughs> um, I, I think it works <laughs> a lot better on, on Aneurysm um, th- than it does on, on Drain You. Uh one thing I noticed is that the guitars on most of this are way forward in the mix. And, and I was talking about being loud earlier. I'm sure just chopping your heads off volume uh, at these shows. And it's awesome. I, I'm not surprised, but I'm I'm pleased that that you're a a spank through fan, Logan, because spank through is awesome. Uh, You know, it's, it's one of those kind of, you know, really early, but, but weird and, and fun, songs um i, I guess if i were I, I don't feel like he a- is actually saying the lyric like i feel like there's some a gray he area the what the lyrics point, are yeah. there's some lyrics that I've, I've it's kind of murky and exactly what he's saying well and we were talking about you know Arium with a fuzz box the steve albini quote and and uh uh, you know some other REM similarities. The the intro to uh, Spank Through really reminds me of uh, of REM. You know, kind of that that jangly. A- apparently, uh, I, I was reading that it was a, a takeoff of a, a Ted Nugent song. Hold on, let me find that. Yeah, this this <laughs> I, I think music critic it, yeah. says it's the opening riff satirizes the Great White Buffalo by Ted Nugent, <laughs> which I've never heard that okay. song, so I I don't know what they're talking about, but. Um, did you have a rating for it, Matt? Um, I've been thinking about it. Uh, 
I would I would rate this uh, three out of five riverbanks. Um, uh, I, I agree with you, Josh, that that I, I think a, a single performance would be more compelling. Um, you know, and obviously that that's that's more available now. Uh, you know, one thing I think about, you know, I was thinking about live records in general, um, you know, and, and whether compilations are good or, or um, you know, single performances. Um, you know, I, I don't think this is a standout live record necessarily. I think it's kind of a, it's, it's a neat way to experience what it would have been like to go to a Nirvana show, you know, cause we were all really pretty much too young to, uh, to be there for that. And, you know, I don't know many nine-year-olds going to, uh, uh, <laughs> going to the rock show, but, um, yeah, three, three out of five, uh, riverbanks, everything's good. I love all the songs. Um, I'm glad to see that even, you know, big professional rock bands tend to rush songs. Uh, sometimes, you know, they, they go oh, yeah. through heart shaped box pretty, pretty quick. Um, but, uh, I, I was glad to have heard it. Uh, I don't know that I would feel the need to return to it as, as a recording as a whole. And, and maybe it's just because, you know, we're so spoiled now by, by streaming services and, and YouTube, you know, if, if I want to watch or if I want to listen to, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of uh, showing my cards here. If I want to listen to a live recording, I'm going to search, search out something with some video so I can, I, I can see it. Cause that, that's, uh, that's what works for me. And, and it's a lot easier to do that now, obviously, than, than it was in, in 1996. Um, one other note, now I don't want to throw too much shade, but, uh, the, the cover, uh, has big, uh, design or visual graphic design is my passion uh energy <laughs> I, I, I just thought that <laughs> the, the cover I? was was a little uh a little uh slap shot but but that was the that was what was on uh on the kid's shirt um you know and i remember, remember that you know what i day, noticed so. about that uh what i noticed about the cover is that it uses the spongebob font <laughs> Well, SpongeBob used the from the money banks of Wishka okay, font. To true, be fair. true, oh my true. God, you're right. It Apparently, it, it, yeah. Do do a side by side comparison. You will be shocked. I, so I I didn't get my rating earlier on this category. My overall thoughts. I looking at the track listing now. I kind of added it up. I feel like I would say about thirteen of these songs out of the seventeen. I think are really good for a live album. I could probably do without hearing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" live, or um, Polly again, or heart shaped box. Like I, but I, but when I look at the listing, I'm like, yeah, some of these are just, it's I'm, maybe I'm kind of tipping my hand to what I'm going to talk about with bangers, but like school drain you aneurysm. Like that is a, <laughs> that's a one, two, three punch right there. Oh, I mean, yeah. And then you've got, oh, I could also, actually, I agree with you on lithium, Logan. Logan, by the way, I think you've kind of changed my mind on lithium a little bit. Now when I hear it, I'm like, Logan may not be wrong on this. This may not be as good of a song as I thought it was. You've you've yes. corrupted me a little bit on lithium. But I think yeah. in this context especially, I'm like, eh, I could do without lithium. But like Benison, Sliver, I, I, I dug Spank Through. I never heard Spank Through. Scentless yeah. Apprentice. Like I, I just think there's some songs in here that I'm like, yes, this is I could see this being an awesome live um band and, and live recording to hear. Um so yeah, I would give it probably around an eighty two percent as a live album. Again, I would rather have a concert, but it's good. It, it works for what it is. Um Blake, what were your thoughts on kind of this record? Um 
it was it was enjoyable for me. I didn't I didn't count which songs I liked versus which ones I didn't or anything, but uh, I I would need more time. Like on Unplugged, I I like that we get the the banter and stuff between and uh even though, you know, one single show would be cool, they they did a decent job of uh mixing it the the edits are are really good you you would think it could just be one show i agree exactly although i do want to say when you hear breed played by chad channing on here Uh you're like oh my god dave adds something to this song (laughs) because i feel like the version of breed on here drags a little bit And I do want to talk about Polly. Now we we've we've covered Polly on damn near dish. Why is it on shut four up, shut up. recordings? Damn near every episode of this show that we've done, <laughs> we've talked about Polly. But I think I may have found the definitive Polly. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what this Polly is. It's it's not quite Nevermind, and it's not quite New Wave Polly. Right. It splits the difference. And I think that's the sweet spot. Honestly, this may be the best Polly. You know the you know the emojis of the clapping hands. I want to be like, stop putting Polly on Nirvana Records. (laughs) Every release doesn't need Polly. Yeah, and this Polly's the only one that was also on Unplugged, right? Yeah, and Incesticide. But at least it's a different version. At least it's a different version, and this one had had a little something different such a um, dark song to be shoved on to basically everything know. you know what i mean i know maybe yeah. it's weird. in its own nature or something but god i don't want to hear I mean, that song over and over after wonder, knowing what it's about i also wonder how much the inclusion of smells like teen spirit was chris and dave's decision and how much was like yeah. the record label being like put smells That's like a teen good spirit question. on there smells like teen spirit. i smells i love like teen spirit. i love how it it's like uh, it's like twice as fast. Like, yeah. let's just get let's get through this fucking song oh, and absolutely. get it over with. Speaking uh, of getting it has through that it, kind of feel. Let's yes. find out what the banger is. Yes. <laughs> so I um, I my yeah, yeah, banger yeah, yeah. is either negative creep or school. Like listening to this made me remember. Oh yeah, those bleach songs fucking rock, <laughs> and they. Like just I yeah. I don't know. It, it, yeah. I think either negative creep or school just live would be awesome especially with dave girl behind the kit you know um can i say mine sure Sen- uh, with scentless apprentice as a runner-up i'm i'm repeating myself on in utero um fucking milk it on this record sounded so dope like yeah the di- the dynamic shift was enormous especially on the vocals like it just blows up on the chorus mm-hmm. and i noticed um he does the little giggle from the recording yeah i noticed he that does. as well on a d- test meat whatever it is yeah milk steak whatever the fuck it is now i did it I did have this question. Yeah, milk, <laughs> milk steak. <laughs> from, from It's Always Sunny. Um, there's a, I swear to God, there's a weird vocal effect on 
on the vocals on verse two. Did anyone else I, pick that up? I I think I heard that as well. I what's going on? No, you, it's, you're, it's going you're totally through a right. pedal or something. Could yeah, I don't know. I don't know what kind of delay or, or, or modulation. I don't think it was. I don't think it was an artifact. It was. It was almost like a talk box, but not quite. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it, it, you're, you're totally. <laughs> I, I'm, I had forgotten about that, Blake, and I'm glad you pointed oh, that out. It, it's some kind of modulation effect on his yeah. uh, on his vocal, and 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 now I'm curious if if that was an effect on the album version because uh you know you can hear that that kind of same dissonant vocal and i always thought it was just a double track um on on the record but i'm you know so so maybe they 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 use that that effect to to kind of you know mimic that double track but uh but i'm glad you mentioned that because that 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 was a standout for me as well uh i guess um if we're talking bangers uh i might like this scentless apprentice better than in utero sinless apprentice mm. i i think it was mixed really well it was from that live and loud uh recording um you know and, and i just think everything sounded really good it sounded good with with that that second guitar um you know so, so that that's yes. my banger is for sinless sure. apprentice uh Hell yeah it, it was a cage match between scentless apprentice <laughs> and aneurysm for me uh i just again i think aneurysm really works as a nirvana song uh, Scentless Apprentice is just bombastic. Uh, so either way for me with one of one of those songs, whoever fights the toughest and wins, I have a feeling it might be Scent- Scentless Apprentice. Maybe. All right. Maybe. And Two songs uh, enter, one song leaves. Well, next up we got Don't Sleep On It. For me, that would be Spank Through because it's the one you probably don't know, one I didn't know, and I ended up liking it quite a bit. Same. Same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The 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 you can really hear the uh, the vocal reverb reverb or, or echo on on that recording in particular. I, I noticed on Spank Through, um, you know, which kind of gave it a neat a neat feel. But uh, yes, uh, was that same from you, Logan? Yep, same. Do, oh, we all agree. We need some sort of thing what? if we all agree. Like spank a gong. Dung, 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 dung. Wait, Matt, did you say Spank Through? Yeah, I, I agree with you. On okay. spank, spank Through for Don't Sleep. Oh, but well, what do you think, Blake? We don't have a quorum quite. Um, I, I, I don't know Spank Through. Uh, it didn't come across as that memorable to me, but I need more, more time with it. I'm going to do a controversial opinion and say the final track, Blue. Yeah. I think I, it's got more energy and I like it better than the, the Breed version, which I felt was just kind of ho-hum. Oh, Bleach. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I feel the same way about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, version. it's Dave. I mean the fact that this, yeah it's so Dave, Dave just Dave picks it up a notch obviously yeah, making those songs. I also love I love that you hear Kurt say at the beginning. I, I don't know if it's the last song of this show, um, but it's the last song of the album. He says he starts the song by saying "Thank you for your patience," which is a great that thing to great to close to say to close out any any show. Like sorry about it. Thank you for being patient with I, us. You know how uh, yeah, I like Ever, that Everclear did a re-recording of their like classic <laughs> hits yes. multiple times. I kind of wonder. I could have would have could have went for a Nirvana re-recording of Bleach with Dave Grohl. <laughs> like I, I yeah. it would have been kind of cool to hear like Dave on all those Bleach songs. I guess that's what this is in a way. 
Um, next up, we've got the Skip It. For me, it's either Smells Like Teen Spirit or Polly. Uh, I don't need another version of Polly, and I also don't need to hear Smells Like Teen Spirit again. So those probably Smells Like Teen Spirit's my Skip It, truthfully. I think mm. I would skip, and and I and maybe it's just this particular performance. Um, I might skip Heart Shaped Box just because I've heard it, and if I want to hear it, I'm probably going to listen to the uh the album version um but uh you know i i just think that kind of i it feels to me like it's kind of got that same uh let's just get through this song uh energy as the smells like teen spirit uh yeah. does as well <laughs> lithium yeah fair choice yeah yeah any any further thoughts on that or <laughs> nope just, okay that's fine that's fine <laughs> i'm gonna well, I'm going to say it's a tie between Smells Like Teen Spirit and Lithium. Um, Logan has turned me into a Lithium truther. <laughs> uh, oh, it, no. uh, lithium has its charms, but it's It wears it's out its welcome. It, it, it does. There's not much to it, and it, they don't, it doesn't add it, much. It doesn't uh, help that it's surrounded by Benna Sun and Sliver, which are these two bursts yeah. of just like energy. energy. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like you got Lithium in the middle there. Just... Yep. Not a good placement for it on the record. Nah. Um, okay, so what else? What would anything? you cover? Uh, ah, I feel one. like or this did... isn't too different from what I probably said yeah. in the past. I don't know. I'm trying to think if they if there's a version on here that I think. I still think covering Benna Sun would be fun, truthfully. Um, I think Benna Sun would be good. Yeah, Benna Sun will be my cover. Scentless Apprentice for me, if it could be pulled off, but doubtful are we talking to us covering it yeah okay it, or it well could, it could be us or or your your, your dream band just whatever. like in some like yeah if i could you know like pull off like dave scr- Grohl play drums <laughs> yeah i don't know and in some dream situation yeah i would like it to be scentless apprentice but i know that's not gonna happen i i i kind of agree with that scentless apprentice would just be so fun to cover yeah, if, if, if you could play it, it like just flawlessly live it would yeah. just be like oh this if, is the old if i was i mean the beat the beat is always is like deceptively simple um i i think chuck, i could do chuck, the beat fuck. yeah it's chuck <laughs> chuck full fuck banana banana whatever um i could do th- i think i could do the beat not as fast as and accurate as dave does it here it's it's pretty sped up but but still very good but yeah, that's my choice. I don't remember what I would have, or what I said I would cover off of incesticide. But uh, if it wasn't aneurysm, I'm going to redeem myself and say that I will cover aneurysm here. Uh, Do it, you right know, it's now. almost it was almost my my banger. Um, it's you know just such a great song. Uh, you know, a great Nirvana song. You know, it's got everything that they that they do best. Okay, is that put a uh, a pin or wrap up from the muddy banks of Wishka? I think so. All right. We have one final thing to discuss, which is the last Nirvana song ever. You know you're right.
So You Know You're Right uh, is written in 1993 and recorded during the last Nirvana sessions in January of 94. This song kind of existed uh, in legend for a long time. Hole played it during their MTV Unplugged set in 1995, which I did not know. Oh, really? Um, I don't know if you guys looked that up. You can find uh, on YouTube. Well, I didn't see it. Look on YouTube. Just look up Hole Unplugged. Uh, they, they actually call it You've Got No Right when they play it, but Courtney introduces it as a song Kurt wrote. Um, Pat Smear is not on this recording, although apparently Kurt had intended for him to add a part at a later time and send him some uh, early recordings. The intro of this is this, the little tingly sound is Kurt playing the strings of the guitar above the nut, which is kind of a cool thing. And this song was a, a source of controversy because Chris and Dave wanted it to be part of a Nirvana box set, while Courtney wanted it to be on a single disc best of. Lawsuits ensued, but eventually it came out in 2002 on the single disc Greatest Hits. And uh, there is some debate over what is being said on the chorus, because most people hear pain, that he's saying pain, but on some bootlegs, it sounds like he's clearly saying hey, and on one home demo, he sings dream, which is mm. weird. Mm. Um, and, I heard hey. Yeah, it sounds like hey or pain. I'll, I'll say I really like this song. It's sort of a, a weird Nirvana song in that it's one that, of course, we all were of an age where we had heard Nirvana quite a bit, and then it came out, <laughs> so we yeah. kind of heard it yeah. late. Um, but I, I, I especially like the verses. The way the verses yeah. sound to me are really good. I'm not a big fan of the chorus, the just sort of the hey chorus. And actually, Logan, I wondered if you felt that way, because I know your complaint with lithium, one of them was the chorus. And lithium was originally hey instead of yeah. yeah. Well, I've always, I guess I've always thought it was pain. So yeah, it could be that pain. I mean, landed with me. But I also think that this is the first Nirvana song that I remember as being like current for me. Like I was like, I remember listening to like, the radio as they kept counting down to like, we're going to reveal oh, yeah. the new Nirvana song. <laughs> so it was yeah. the one that I was actually there for. And yeah. so, and I was, I thought it was going to suck. Honestly, I think when it, <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is going to suck, but it came out and I really liked it. And I thought it, even though the, sim, the simplistic chorus, I thought he was saying pain for, so for some reason, like when I'm in like seventh grade, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like he, we, <laughs> Like that just hit with me, uh, so it's honestly become a. Uh, I would venture to say it's in my top ten Nirvana songs. Hmm. Wow! It really it sounds to me so fresh and modern. Like when I first when I was listening to it last week and thinking about what to say, and I heard the tingly sounds at the beginning, I was like, surely they added that later, like two thousands. And then I went and looked up, and it said no. Kurt played that for the yeah. intro and I was like wow that just for some reason that particular flourish struck me as a very modern touch um and the fact that he was doing that in 94 is kind of cool um it just yeah it's, there's some go ahead Matt I was gonna say yeah that that is a great detail and 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 I picked that out as well that that kind of reminds me of of a a sonic youth kind of element you know using different parts of the, of the guitar and and you know bringing in kind of different uh sonic elements that um, noise rock yeah uh i 
I agree that the verse is is really the standout. You know, the the, the melody is really good. There's also a um, why is this song great on on this song as well. You know, if if anybody's a, a music theory uh, nerd, uh, you know, gets really really deep into you know the the melodic elements and 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 how kind of you know, I'm sure. It's, you know, he didn't go in with the intention of, you know, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, go in this mode and that mode and, and, you know, has even said in interviews that, you know, he hates that stuff. But uh, but even still, you know, came up with a, a really interesting, um, you know, kind of melodic line. Uh, I really like kind of the pre-chorus where the guitars kick in before they get to the uh and, and I'm consider me on team pain. Yeah. Sounds like pain to me. <laughs> um uh, but but when when the guitars kick in and they're they're going you know they're doing like a C to a D or you know kind of walking up to that um, back to that root you know you really kind of gets you revved up. Yeah, uh, I don't know if y'all are ready for my takes. You fucking hate this song. I'll just say I like this song a lot better when it was called "Hey Man, Nice Shot" by Filter. <laughs> <laughs> you know that song? Isn't that song supposedly about Kurt Cobain? Uh. I mean, no, no, it's about that guy who he, killed him. Buckwire, whatever is, yeah, Buckwire. Yeah. That's what I heard. Anyway, I don't. That's not my real opinion, but there are nice try, Josh, sim- with the conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, the similarities. Get our though, Twitter shut down again. I mean, it, it's a chorus where about where you're screaming "Hey" over this like super like butt rocky. Are we confirmed uh, on this? Is it? There is, is, there it, is okay, no okay, confirmation. No, 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 no. It could be hey, so or it's it could not be confirmed. pain. We, we, we know, okay, so it, it could be pain, or it could yeah. be hey. Yeah, there's no difference. Uh, if it, if it's, it's hey, situation. That's, gonna, that's gonna kill me. Gosh. No, you're not wrong. I think it's just, it may, it may very well be pain, I need to re-listen. It's got the super quiet build-up, like, uh, brooding verse. That leads to that, that unleashes that loud ass yeah. chorus. And while it, it's it has a lot of uh, hooky uh, potential there, and there's really something to it. And I I, I agree that the the verses are better than the chorus. Pre choruses, pre choruses are where it's at. You're right. The, yeah, the pre choruses are good. It's also like it's it's like so Nirvana, but it's undeniably a Nirvana song, but also very strange and sound sounds more like uh other grunge bands at the time it's like that th- this should be a should this be a pearl jam or a or a filter song or or something else um it he did say after in utero that he wanted to go in different directions and this this definitely tracks with that i just i don't i don't know if if this is the direction i i would have i would have liked but the- um the ringing guitars in the uh, in the second verse uh, verse kind of remind me of of Milkit, and I know that Milkit was kind of you know he said in, yeah. indicative of the direction that was that the he direction. Yeah, so, so I I, I kind of see see that as a as a through line. I I like the sound of 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 Milkit better though. Uh, I it, it's hard to describe why. All right, can I say we're finished with Nirvana? Are we done with Nirvana? <laughs> Other than talking about our faves? Yeah, let's let's rank. Are we ranking? Yeah, our, I just thought we'd albums? quickly kind of say like, okay, what your favorite Nirvana album is and least favorite, and uh, and then we're just done. To, just to give you a warning, I I have I put some thought into this section, so okay, be prepared, okay. Be prepared for that. Okay, well then, do you want to go first then, or do you want to go last? Uh, I'll just. 
me go ahead i need time <laughs> okay all right so kick us off i got to thinking about like my rating system and whatnot so i went ahead i guess it depends on whether or not we're so we are keeping in muddy banks of the Wishcon unplugged as part of the whole thing right and sure. You know you're right. You can rank them however you want. You, to. you know you know you're right. I'm not including because okay. it's not I tell a whole what, album. I I I'm going by all the songs that we listen to for this podcast. So all the songs that we listen to for this podcast added up. I got to 86 songs, and then I counted up how many songs that oh, I geez. liked <laughs> out of those 86 songs, which was 68. 86, okay. 68. Ooh. Logan is the gif of the math equations floating around <laughs> the guy's head. Zach Galifianakis so, This rounds me up to a overall score as Nirvana as a band. And I think it's pretty accurate to what I already kind of, ha- how I already felt about them. And that rounds up to about 80%. I like 80% of Nirvana stuff. That we've list out of the stuff we listen to, I like eighty percent. That sounds fair. I think so too. I think that yeah. they were never like this huge band for me, but at the same time, I've appreciated a lot of Nirvana and what Nirvana did. And I was just I barely missed it. I feel like you know, just a little too young for it. But then I got to thinking about like, okay, well, what about a uh, favorite albums or whatever? So I was looking at it as my favorite album is, like I said, Incesticide. But I, I feel like the best album, in my opinion, is In Utero. So I did kind of like what we we do for the others. I did a banger. So my banger album is In Utero. <laughs> my Don't Sleep on It is Incesticide. If I were to skip an album, I would skip Unplugged. And if I were to cover, I would go with... If I were to cover an album in its entirety, <laughs> yes. I would go with the the Bleach Boys and cover Ooh, Bleach. Yeah, Bleach Boys. So I All I right. think, and if I had to rank them, I would say number one, Incesticide; two, In Utero; three, Muddy Banks of the Wishka; four, Nevermind; five, Bleach; and last place, six, Unplugged. And then I briefly thought, if I had to pick. 10 Nirvana songs as my overall 10. I didn't put them in order, but I would go with You Know You're Right, Downer, School, Territorial Pissings, In Bloom, Drain You, Breed, Scentless Apprentice, Aneurysm, and Negative Creep. And those are my final thoughts wow. on Nirvana. On Nirvana. Well, I did not put nearly as much thought into mine. <laughs> I just said, here yeah. are my top albums. So I'll kind of go from the bottom to the top. I put Wishka last on sixth place. And that's only because it's the one I'm the least familiar with. And it's a live album. And I don't know. It was hard to include. Five for me is Bleach. I, I this. This go around, I'd never really give given Bleach a lot of time, and I found that I really enjoyed quite a bit of Bleach. So, um, even though it is technically the last place kind of spot there, I really liked Bleach, so I put it five, and then fourth, Incesticide, three for me in utero, and then two for me is Unplugged, and one is Nevermind. I'm a I'm a simpleton. I'm a simp here. 
as, as the kids say. Is that what that means, Blake? I, you're, no, you're hip Josh, with it. No, is that what that's it means? Not what it means. Not at all. <laughs> I, not I, even, I just, uh, you know, I, I chose the 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 standard. You know, never mind is my number one, but it's the one that I don't know. I just, I, I like everything on it for the most part. Uh, same with Unplugged. Yeah, I, I just have to go with that. Uh, Logan, I, I like your construction of of what's the what's the banger album. In terms of ranking, uh, I'll go, uh, you know, last to first. Uh, I also ranked uh, Wishka last, um, not because I necessarily think it's bad, but that's just kind of kind of where it lands. Um, in fifth is Bleach. I'm I'm having trouble uh, finding where where uh, Incesticide and Unplugged and Unplugged want to land. Um, you know, they're kind of uh, taking up the taking up the middle there. Uh, Nevermind is two and in utero is one. Um, though I would say that Nevermind, I would say is the banger album. And, uh, I don't want to sleep on, uh, a couple of the, uh, the B sides that, that we didn't get, get a chance to talk about. Um, you know, we won't go into them, but, uh, definitely seek out sappy, uh, which I've also heard titled verse chorus verse. You know, there's the, uh, there's a couple of songs that are, that are kind of, in that uh, that B side or or uh, rarity area, um, even in his youth, is also worth uh, checking out. Um, if if you want more, um, there could be a long you know, lost B side episode. Maybe that's true. In some future, <laughs> I will I will so. give the the shout out though that Sappy is a very good song. If you want to seek that, one. yeah, with, yes. with a Sappy's long, great with a long history. So Blake, what are your rankings mm-hmm. of Nirvana albums? Well, it sounds pretty unremarkable now, uh, is it's a pretty straightforward ranking, not that different from um, you guys. Uh, for the top three, I'm going to go with the, the three studio LPs, because I'm just a studio LP simp. Uh, so Thank you for one, using that term. I used it incorrectly, just like you did. Uh, <laughs> We're so I'm going to look cruel. up what it means while you're doing this. Go ahead, rank them. I'm going to look up simp. It mean it means nope, that I nope. send look it up. Okay. Or I'll look it up while you do it. Go ahead. I send DMs to Nirvana asking for nudes. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just read what it means. <laughs> it means someone who will say anything to please someone, yeah. particularly a girl, in the hopes that they will yeah. be a good favor in good yeah. favor with that person. <laughs> I, I hope I hope Kurt hears this. <laughs> Kurt, um, I'm simping for you. Okay, go ahead, Blake. Number one, I'm just gonna go. Top down, number one, in utero. Number two, never mind. Number three, number three, bleach. Number four and five, I had incesticide and unplugged, but I think they could almost be interchangeable for me. Uh, I had a hard time placing those. They uh, kind of do different things. It, I, I had I had yeah. similar trouble. They're uh, both they're both sort compilations of sorts, but unplugged does does something. It's a very interesting show, so it gets points for that. And six, Muddy Banks, no surprise there. But there are no, there are no uh, duds here. So this you all put in utero good. at number one, except me. Well, yeah, technically, fucking simp. My my favorite album is Incesticide. But okay, I, I, okay, I do fair. think that the best one overall is probably in utero. It's just not my favorite. All right. I cut yeah. I cut you off, Blake. You were you were about to say that Nirvana is no. the best band of all time, or something like that. I was gonna I was gonna wrap it up with this really <laughs> really nice pre planned speech about how <laughs> they're just a good band. Uh, all these are good. 
w- would recommend them all, uh, but I'd recommend them in that order that I just said. So would we all say right. we we want more of that? <laughs> At this, this point, is, this I'm done with Nirvana. I, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't want any more Nirvana. We do not want I, any more Nirvana. But I do want to say congratulations, everybody. We, we did made it. it through we finished Nirvana. Our first band. I'm applauding. How are we going to feel after we do like a, a 40 album <laughs> Listen, discography? Oh, my God. The listeners are just like, nope. We're going to be haggard old men. But I do want to tease next. So next episode, uh, well, the next episode after this will be a a pregame for the next album we're going to discuss. But the next album we're going to discuss is not going to be a start of a series uh, on an artist discography. We're going to do a one-off uh, breather episode and uh, should palette I say what cleanser. it is palate cleanser should I say what it is or should I we should not? say what it is Matt says yes Logan should I say what it is I mean maybe we should ask Val <laughs> Coomer and Nicole Kidman oh yeah it, it's gonna be a bit of a, a, a left turn if you're like they're always gonna do 90s grunge you know that wasn't no, the intention we're not. we're not always gonna do 90s grunge alternative we just started with Nirvana but the next uh, album we're going to be breaking down is a soundtrack it's going to be the 19 what year was it 97 five i want to say five. Oh, it was early 95 hold on but it's the batman forever soundtrack uh 95 you guys are right 1995 soundtrack batman forever so that will be uh two weeks from now next week will be the pregame episode and then we'll do batman forever after that and then after that we will launch into a another artist discography a a totally different TBA, band to be determined. TBA. Exactly, exactly. It is Blake's choice. Blake is deciding. Yeah. But well, I, I'm next. feeling the pressure. Yeah. It's gonna be a good. It's a good choice. It. it I'm excited. It thank you. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and and you can check us out more of that uh, anywhere you stream music. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Just search uh, more of that. Band Springfield. Uh, I don't know what do you, I don't know what our actual URL <laughs> whatever, is whatever on, Facebook. You on Facebook. Um, but you can seek us out anywhere there. And uh, Blake, you want to do the other plugs? Um, we have we're on the Ox Network. We have other podcasts. You should check out my wife's podcast that I produce called Are You There Pod. It's about young adult novels. I have a uh, Another podcast with my friend Adam about toy collecting. It's called Shelf Life, and we haven't done an episode in a while, but we're really wanting to get back into it. We've just been busy. Would Adam ever want a guest on an episode? If we if we do something that he's passionate about, uh, like, uh, fuck, I don't know, Bare Naked Ladies, I bet he would. <laughs> Is he really into Bare Naked Ladies? I... I think maybe he was when he well, was Well, not younger. now, Josh. Jeez. I'm not blowing up his spot. I'm just, I'm goofing on him. I'm just doing a goof on him. He's having but a laugh. if we did something that, yeah. <laughs> I'm having a laugh. And yeah, we should have guests that are, feel passionately about this subject at hand. So What's maybe, your Twitter, Blake? It's uh, the same as my Instagram, at esteemed author. Not much going on there. More going on on my Instagram. And I am Edward James Almost on Twitter. And uh, once we get out of Twitter jail, you can follow us at more <laughs> of that band. 
I'd also like to thank everybody for listening and making it yes. through this Nirvana journey. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, you can check out some of my videos on Logan Williams Music. Just search that on YouTube. And thank you so much for sticking around for more of that presents Discographology.
Fox Audio.